you take the thing apart. What did you think you were going to find? Because I think we talked about maybe it's spun a bearing. But what, yeah. like, what is. Well, I mean, I expected, I mean, I, I, you know, what do you expect, right? I expected <laughs> shrapnel of some sort. I've never seen a, a rod cap that bad before. That was, I mean, you hammered that sucker flat. That was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I did, I did a good job. I did a, I did a great job. In the end, you benefited from a couple. You, so, you know, look, we, we, we figured out what happened and not long after that, I took my own motor apart and you were the beneficiary of that. Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And I was thinking to myself, do we, should we get rid of the intro music and just do it? No. No, you like the intro music? Yeah. It feels good? Yeah, I thought you meant like the introductions. We probably don't need that anymore. Well, there's lots of people that are listening for the first time. Okay. And if that's you, Hi, thanks. welcome. Hello, welcome. You're uh, in the... You're 400, 400 episodes late. 400, <laughs> 400 more episodes of absolute bullshit for you to listen to, for you to, for you to get caught up. All right, so this, is, this episode has been a long time coming. It has. Yeah, so we're having Marco uh, yes. Gracci from, from TLG CLB. Auto who worked on my car on the podcast in a right. little bit to talk about everything that happened and maybe a little bit of history about the shop and stuff like that. Uh, but I have not really explained the full, I have not gone through the whole story arc yes. of everything that happened because the story arc was not closed mm. and it's, pretty well closed at this point it's okay. you know i've been out there i've driven the car yeah all this you, stuff you have i didn't know what was going to happen you know things kept getting worse so i didn't know if they were going to continue <laughs> to get worse okay. you know i didn't know what was going on with with the shop like all these different things yeah and i didn't and there's a point where i was trying to figure out like having insurance maybe pay for something so right. i didn't want to say something and have them deny the claim yeah like all these <clears throat> like all these different things that were like spinning around swirling around and I wanted to just be able to tell the story once, and then I want to be able to rip the chapters out of the book. And burn them. And burn them and move on. Okay. So, what happened to your car, Chris? Okay. And when did this whole thing start? God, this it's so 2021. Last, the last time yes. I had driven the car was... So, 2021, the rally. Let's just start there. Okay. Yep, Utah. We had the rally in Utah. <laughs> Utah rally, you guys. And yeah. then you drove it to California. I drove it to California because I wanted to be able to have my wife come out mm -hmm. and do a drive with me. We were going right. to drive. We were going to drive up to. You were going to go up. Here's the what, coast. Here, here's what was going to happen. I was going to drive up to the Portland, uh, Northern California area. Okay. Or, or actually, you know what I did? Is I had is someone not in California. I had for yeah, us geography Portland folks. or Northern I California. Know. I lied. What I was going to do. I, so I'm, I'm reaching deep here in the memory banks. Yeah. Well, it's been I was going to leave it in Boise because okay. I was going to use it to scout the rally. Oh. So I was going to store it till spring. Last year's Idaho rally. And I was going to scout the That's rally with right. it. You guys know that I did it in that wagon instead. Right. Yeah. So I get in the car. It's great. It's fucking awesome. California. So you, no. Okay. So you parked it out I there. I parked it out there. And you I left it with Marco. I said, hey, Marco. With Jess. Uh, I, I left it out there. I said, hey, Marco, check the thing over. I'm going to be right. coming out with my wife. Yes. You know, this is... You know, it's, I want it to be nice. So just radio, change the oil. Yep. You know, check the brakes, these yep. different things. And because um, it's really hard to do all that shit when you're not at home. You right. know, it's, oh, yeah. It's, it, plus, you can store the car, you know, whatever. Whatever. 
Yep. So he he gave it a, a little once over. Gave it a once over and ended up staying up, with a with a friend of listener out there. His name's Sebastian. Many thanks awesome. to him for yeah. He's a great dude. Uh, he has a car that's actually being worked on at at TLG as well. So it wasn't too far okay. from the shop. So I left it there. Never leaked a drop of oil. Interesting. It was okay. that car, that motor never leaked. Yeah. It never leaked. I built that motor. Uh, my buddy Aaron at Flat Six helped me some. Right. But I'm still fucking proud. Yeah, that never I built that engine myself. Drop. Never, never leaked oil. Never skipped never, a beat up until this nothing, point. Nothing. Always just took it. Right. You know, th- th- like if this was a, a marital relationship, Ooh. I would be in prison. Yes. A long time ago for yeah, how I treat that car. You are not easy on that motor. Not easy on anything, because it's just I'm just gonna, and that we'll talk about whether that's still possible anymore hmm. as we go on here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you and your wife fly, fly out. out. Fly out for my birthday. Okay, my birthday is awesome. January 3rd. Yep. We fly yeah. out on the 1st. 2022. 2022. Maybe it's the 1st or 2nd. 2021. I don't even know what day it was. Get out there. Go to Sebastian's house. It's kind of, I remember just like he had an orange tree there. And I remember picking up an orange or maybe it was a lemon. I don't know. Some fruit. <laughs> and it got in the car. And it, I remember just driving it. And just it was great. Yeah. You know, I was so excited to be back in the car again. It was great. It was great. And Jesse was happy. I was happy. And Marco had actually found out an issue with the carbs. The That's right. It, it had not been running well. Yeah. And the reason that it would never idle, uh, there's other reasons now that we've discovered, is that there was a burr yeah. on the, the, on the uh, actual, on the actual throttle plate. of the carburetor. So yep. when the butterfly would close, it would hit that burr and never close completely. So you're getting all this waste air going waste through. Waste air going through. You can't tune for it. Right. And it would always be fine if I were like, Jam the throttle close, like hold it oh, down. Oh, sure, because be you're getting past the burr. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it still has weird idle troubles, and I think that's because the springs in the distributor are not uh, strong enough. Sure. Which is, shout out to the guy that built it, and I wasted my $900 on doing that, so shout out to that guy. Um, uh, I don't think he builds stuff anymore. I, I think very tempted to say who it is. but facetious there. Yeah, he, he doesn't. So you had your distributor recurve to that. Yes, strike. I did. So if this guy still was working on cars, I would call him out. Yeah. Because I'm. Salt, whatever. About okay. It. Anyway, so I pick up the car and uh, we park it at a place called the Tangerine. It was a hotel, a little it was motel. A hotel. It was An maybe motel. Two, two or three miles from where I picked the car up. So sure. I, I drove it two or three miles, yep. parked it, yep. and then Jesse and I went walking around. Okay. So we just wandered around, went to dinner, did all this stuff. And I remember I went to sleep that night and I didn't feel very good. That's right. I didn't feel very good. And I thought maybe it was just because I had eaten a bunch of uh, weed gummies. Oh. Which I had never done before. Oh, you did? I was high as fuck, man. I, I did was, not know this. I was in the clouds. <laughs> I remember sitting at this restaurant, and I yeah. could not stop laughing. It was ridiculous. <laughs> and then I went back, and I'm like, oh, I don't feel very good. And I, yeah. and I went to sleep. Wake up in the morning. I feel okay. Uh-huh. And there's a, there's a Cars and Coffee oh, somewhere. Okay. I don't remember where it is anymore. That I was going to go to. Sure. This is probably, I don't know, Saturday or Sunday morning, whatever it was. Yep. So I, you get up. I get up. Leave Jess at the hotel. Yep. She doesn't. She's going to sleep. Because it's, it's like 6.30 in the morning. Right. Yeah, Super early. early. Just traffic. Yep. I get in the car. I start it up. I start backing it out. Uh-huh. And I remember looking up, and I see a guy. He's giving me a thumbs up. And I remember like, yeah, great. Thanks, thumbs up. Dude. This is yep. awesome. And I back out, and I drive away. Yep. And I start I hop on the freeway. Yep. And I do an Instagram video of how happy I am. Okay. On my way to this Cars and Coffee. And... In hindsight, I can hear it in my really? head. I could hear it's kind of like a like a whirring, like if you like if you like if you had a spinning top, 
Uh huh. And the sound that a spinning top makes on a hard surface. Yes. But with like a, almost like a little bit of a whine. Sure. And I remember that it felt a little weird off throttle. Like it was kind of grabby, mm-hmm. which it was because there's no fucking oil in the engine. And then this Instagram right. video, I pan across the windshield and you can look down and you can see my oil pressure gauge. <gasps> it says zero. Zero so oil you went pressure. Back and watched this video. I went back and watched that video, and it said zero oil pressure. Oh, and it—I don't remember like the context of how long, but it was around seven or eight miles. Uh huh. Which would have been total since I picked the car up, but probably around five to six miles on the freeway at eighty miles an hour. Yeah. Flat out. Yep. You know, it's it's thirty six hundred RPMs. Yep. Just ah, with no oil. <laughs> no. Uh-huh oil yeah at all because when you when you started the car up in the morning it probably had pressure because it still had oil yep and then somewhere from there to the freeway i know exactly what happened okay at least i surmise exactly what happened now do you want me to tell you or do you want marco to tell you Mm. okay we'll do we'll do it twice i'll tell you and then we'll have marco say 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 this say the same thing anyway so there is a well. What happened was a return. The oil, uh, the oil return tube, yes, fell off of the okay. car. Okay, so this is from the dry sump oil return to the tank. tank. I believe it is the return to the tank. Okay, and it and it is which makes sense because then you have to use all of the tank's oil until it goes empty. Yeah, right? and it's so and that's it's, why you didn't. And it's under it pressure because right it's pressurizing it back into the tank. I, yep. th- I think it is the oil return tube. Marco might say I'm wrong. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. Okay. I remember it sounding okay. Uh huh. And then in an instant, it sounded real bad. Really, really Can bad. Can you describe the sound? Not imitate, describe. <laughs> I was trying to think. <laughs> yeah, it, it was like a, it went, it was like a thunking. Hmm. Like it just, but I, I mean, I was so fast with that key, I cannot even impress upon you how fast. Clutch and I was. turn off. It was, it was, yeah, it was boom. I was like, oh, psh. I right, mean, it was heard it. within a second. When you heard it. Yeah, when I heard it, it was within a second, I turned the key off. But as we know now, the damage was done. It was by far the damage, the damage. We'll talk about, I'll let Marco talk about the damage, stuff like that. So, you know, I coast off and I, and I coast and I coast and I coast for as far as I can off the on-ramp. I was okay, lucky. so I was luckily right, you were right by an exit. Right by an on-ramp, exit. coasted off, went around this corner and parked the car. And then there's the video that you see of me pushing the car mm-hmm. up the street crying i was crying when yeah. i was pushing the car up seat because i because you knew what this meant I, yeah i so I, I pulled over and i'm like okay i tried to start it and it started and it sounded the same so it was like and then i turned it off again right away mm-hmm. like okay shit's fucked it is <laughs> so then i get out of the car and i go and i look underneath the car no nothing no oil no holes in the case I'm like what the fuck happened yeah. What what could that be? It's like I have no idea. What what could it be? It's because you didn't see actively dripping oil. Because there wasn't any, dude. <laughs> There's no oil. It was all gone. No, but I did I did kind of poke around and I, I saw that that oil line was not attached anymore. Okay, you saw it. And I go, holy <laughs> shit. I, this is all a little muddy. I don't really re- well, it's like, been a remember long time, like, but yes. I don't remember if I put the oil line back on. I, I don't I don't really I don't recall. I don't okay. even remember what, what it was. When so that, that was the catastrophe. That was the catastrophe. That's what happened. That is what happened. 
Now, what I think the reason for this is. Yeah. Okay, so normally this line is a crimped line from the factory. So it is a rubber hose that goes into a crimped It's a high-pressure hose. So if you ever look at like an air conditioning system, if you don't yeah. know oil, cool cars, anything like that, all you have to do is look at an air conditioning system and you okay. can see these types of lines. Yep. There's a hard line that goes into a soft line. Right. And on that is a big metal crimp. Yes. Okay, so it's it's a barbed it's a barb metal fitting. Yep. They slide the hose over it and yep. then they crush it down on there. Yep. It's not a hose clamp because why? Because it's too critical. It's too mm. critical for a hose clamp to like crimp it because okay. hose clamps can come loose and they can mm. fall off. Okay? okay. So, but the problem is over time, you don't know that this is loosening. No. Over time, these crimped connections, they start to leak. Ah. And there's no way to stop them from leaking. So, what you do, especially if you have a 72 911 where the oil lines are NLA or you can't find them, oh, yeah. especially if you live in like the Midwest or this was already done before I, before I got the car. Okay. Okay. Is you, Take a saw's cutting wheel, you cut that crimp off, oh. and you put a hose clamp on it. <gasps> and is that what was there? That's what was there. Oh. So over time, and I, I mean, I t I, everything's tight, right? It was, I drove that thing 40, 50,000 miles with that hose clamp on it. Yeah. You know, and I, I tightened that myself because okay. I had to pull the motor out multiple oh, I times. Suppose. Yeah, you've disconnected it there. Disconnected it a bunch of times. So I'd always tighten it back up and I always go through and I retighten everything. So that hose clamp, I drove the rally, I drove from my house. I right. drove all over the place on the rally. Drove it all the way to California. Yep. And then in that parking lot, this is what I think happened. I'm 90% sure. In that parking lot, mm -hmm. it was probably 45 degrees that morning. Mm -hmm. It's winter in California. It was 40, 45 degrees. Really thick oil. 2050 oil. Very Extremely high, high oil pressures. Yep. When I went and started that thing up, it blew that line off. Mm. That oil pressure... That hose clamp over time, so I never loosened itself up enough. I never realized off. that that was not still the factory crimp. Yes, it's not. They're they're expensive. It is now. I yeah. guarantee you, it is now. Um, so that is what I think happened, and I'm pretty sure that's what Marco thinks happened too. I kind of went the insurance route of like trying to explain to him that maybe something came up and impacted the line. Right. You know, maybe I ran over something. Right. They didn't buy it, which is fine because it's like a a $40,000 insurance claim, right? Yeah. They weren't down with that. They they told me to pound sand. And I was going to be like, oh, well, fuck you. I'm going to switch insurance companies and all this stuff. I'm like, you know what? They've done every other claim that I've asked when I ran over something in the road and like, mm -hmm. and they've and they've never had a problem. So I, I'm fine with sticking with that insurance company. They, it's, I, look, I don't think it's what happened. Yeah. So I didn't really push the envelope. No, nope, you know, I'm just, I'm just sense. so broke that I'm like, oh, I'm going to try. Cause I, at the time I didn't really know. I'm like, well, it's possible. Something could have came up and right. impacted the line. I honestly, I remember talking to you at that point and that's what you had thought happened. Oh, yeah, it's, you it's you generally thought that. When I mean, I went through all kinds originally. of stages of grief. Oh, maybe yeah. something ran up and maybe I posted pictures on my Instagram the day before. Maybe uh, someone came and sabotaged, sabotaged the car, loosened sure. the clamp or tried to fuck with me or drain the oil right out but of the sub. Don't I don't know. That's it. Come on. I mean, yeah. there are people that do truly hate me, but I mean, the, the odds of that right. are pretty slim. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that that's what happened either. And I talked to uh, another friend um, here locally that runs a shop, and this is something that they had seen at the track too. Oh, really? So guys, and he specifically, I mean, so did you like rev it up and beat the shit out of it when he started? I'm like, dude, no. But that's what would happen at the track. These yeah. guys would start up the cold engine, they'd start revving it up to warm it up, and it would blow that oil line off. Huh. The same one. Yep. The same one that had been hose clamped because they leaked. So Interesting. that 
that's what happened. Okay. okay. So in my mind, that is what happened. So I flew out, and we'll, we'll have Marco on a little bit, and we'll talk right. about you know what he thinks so the happened car went, and all the damage. Went to Marco. The car went to Marco, and here's the deal. I call Marco up on the phone. I go, I go, dude, like, motor blew up. He's like, what? I'm like, yeah, the motor blew up. And in my head at the time, uh-huh. I'm like, this dude fucking just expected the car. It was just at his shop. Yeah. Fuck this guy. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. fuck this guy. Yeah. So I'm like, not really, but that's the train of thought you can go down. Sure. I didn't know if that's what happened. But in the back of my mind, I sure was like, well, my car was just at this guy's shop. Mm-hmm. And it had an oil change, and now it is exploded. Mm-hmm. So my first train of thought is, could could this have been the fault of the shop? Right. And I have a decent relation with Marco. I, you know, I consider him a friend at the time and now. And I, so I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. So I called him up. I said, hey, dude, motor blew up. He goes, don't worry about it. I got a guy. You tow the car, tow it back to the shop, and we'll look. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I said, great. You know, he's like, we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. So to his kudos, he was like, let's figure on it out. It. Yeah. He's on it. And I, I think that had it been his fault, he would have owned it. Yeah. But I do not think, and this is, this is what everybody is always asking me. Yeah. All the time. Why didn't Marco just build you a new engine? It was just at a shop and then it blew up right afterward. Okay. And the answer is because it wasn't his fault. Okay. Okay. It was not his fault. That oil line clamp, common failure with, with that clamp. That is interesting. Hmm. And it's a high pressure line. It was cold that morning. That is what happened. And I am not going to try and pressure someone. And this is, I got this advice from a couple of different people. I didn't know what was going on. So I made some calls to find out what could happen with that mm-hmm. oil line. And he checked the brakes. He looked the car over. There's no reason he would ever even have touched that line. Right. That's he just wouldn't it. have been anywhere near it. It, it. it was not his fault. It wasn't. Yeah. He didn't have to do anything. Yeah. He didn't have to do anything. He could have said, sorry, dude, fuck off. <laughs> but he, di- he didn't. He's been a pretty right. stand-up dude through all this. He's... um. I wish I would have found out about what was really wrong a little bit sooner. Okay. But the, people are busy. And, yeah. you know, it, it's, and the question, other question that everybody asks is, there's two more questions. Okay. Do you wish you would have built the motor yourself? Yeah. Because it's, it's basically a $40,000 engine. Okay. Wow. Which is cheaper than it would be. Wow. I got some used parts from, from Marco. Wow. He did his best to help me out. Yeah. You know, he really did. And. And kudos to him for doing it, even though he didn't have to. That's true. Because it wasn't his fault. Yep. So it would have been more. It probably would have been close to a $50,000 engine. Wow. And uh, he was a stand-up dude and did everything he could to make it it right. They go, was it worth it? And do you wish you would have fixed it yourself? Right. Those are the two questions. Okay. Was it worth it? Should we save those answers till afterward? Or should I just answer him now? I'll just answer him now. We're yeah. already we're already on. The train. What I wanted to clarify is is what specifically worth it? The uh, the money that okay. I spent, and it's tough to quantify because I really truly do not have the money for this. Yeah, I truly don't, and that's probably a lot of the reasons that is because I make poor financial decisions in general, and I'm constantly. <laughs> I mean, I spent I spent twenty or thirty thousand dollars on a thousand dollar mercedes that's okay. very true okay so you I, did do that the reason i don't have any money is because i'm stupid okay. not because i'm i'm like not talented or or poor or lazy or something like that it's because i'm an idiot okay so yeah we came up with the money i had to sell my daily driver i sold the best yeah. i have no car i'm driving my wife's golf r now 
I gave her my Rolex, resized it for her. She busted her ass off to, you know, work towards making. I love how you told me that you sold that Rolex. Yeah. It's, yeah, I sold it to my wife. Yeah, okay. She loves it. She's wearing it right now. That's awesome. Yeah. Resized and everything. It's She always shows it to me. <laughs> okay, so was it worth it? <clears throat> I don't know yet. Okay. And the reason I don't know yet is because I've really kind of been taking it easy at the, on the car. I haven't yeah. really driven it very hard. Okay. It's, it is faster than it was before. Yeah. But I haven't well, really. Well, part of it is you do need to break the motor in. Break the motor in. Right. Uh, yeah, there's different philosophies with that, right? I mean, there it was is. probably had two or 300 miles on it before I even really romp, jumped on it. Okay. You know, that, which is, everything's done by then, truly, in my yeah. opinion, anyway. Yeah. Um, what you're really trying to do is you're trying to get oil into all the proper places and all these things. Seat That's the all rings. Happens. That's all done. You know, okay. Marco broke it in on, on the hoist, too, and I know that he drove it. Look, it's, I know people were giving me a hard time for romping on it a couple of times. Oh, really? So many DMs on Instagram, a bunch of know-it-all, <laughs> like reclining like what armchair, be, armchair mechanics, armchair yes. mechanics yes. that's it recliner mechanics yeah and i've i've i basically drove it the same way i drove my other car right the one that never burned oil yeah never leaked oil all right and drove absolutely fucking perfect till it didn't right and so it's 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 whatever i mean at volvo even now now tolerances are pretty pretty short are pretty small, so a lot of new manufacturers are like, yeah, you don't have to break it in, just drive it. Interesting. Like Volvo says, you don't need to break it in. BMW says, hey, it's a thousand miles. I know that Porsche is, won't even let you rev it up, like the car will, mm. physically won't do yeah, it. That makes sense. Um, okay, so is it worth it? I don't know yet because I haven't had enough experiences with the car to know if it's worth it yet. Yeah, and it needs to be. It has different camshafts. Okay, it needs different jetting. It needs to be retuned. Ah, it's where the car is right now. Marco's Which- got it. By and the way, at, is what I asked you before. I wasn't sure that it, it I, would because it's not that much different. But turns, I thought it would be that much different. Turns out it's it's a lot different. The yeah. way the way that it drives is significantly different. Hmm. It runs right up to the red line of which is at seven thousand RPM, set by the rev limiter. Yeah, like you're running into a brick wall. <laughs> it runs that it runs to that so hard. Wow, it, it, it is. It's, it's honestly ridiculous because you know you drive by feel. Yeah, and, and you can feel. You learn where the car starts to taper off, and right. you shift. You can hear yes. it. You don't need to look at the tachometer. No, every time. you can feel the the torque and everything yeah, it's taper not, down. It's not stopping. <laughs> at seven thousand, keeps building. Yeah. So wow. I we'll we'll talk to Marco about the cat the the you know the, the characteristics and, of yeah. the engine yep. and what he did and some stuff like that. Uh, the other question is, would I rather have built the engine myself? Yes, of course. Yeah, it it there's there's a part of me that will always feel bad that someone else built the engine that's in my car. Hmm. However, how was I supposed to know? Right. How was I supposed to know? I didn't know everything that was wrong inside that motor was wrong. And here's the thing. I can guarantee you this because I'm stupid. I don't have any money that if I would have towed that car home. Yeah. And shoved it in the garage. Uh-huh. Pulled the motor out of it. Yeah. And went. Oh, no, that motor would have gotten put in a box mm. in pieces and put under the counter, mm. and I would probably would have bought, like, some 2.7 or 3-liter yeah, sure. or a 3.2 or 3.6 or whatever it would have been, and I would have thrown it in there. Okay. And it wouldn't be anything like it was or is now. Or is now. Mm. And it would continually be a disappointment. Right. Because it would be... The lesser motor. Yeah, it would be like... 
Your wife, okay, so your wife, is, she gives oh, you the, 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 the best blowjobs uh-huh. ever, right? And uh-huh. then she goes on vacation. Mm-hmm. She comes back, mm-hmm. and it's not as good as it was. Mm. You know, it's 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 halfway. I thought you were going to say she died and you had to get a new wife. Oh, well, that that's too. Yeah, you could, get, that, you could get a, a new more, wife. That's or, a more apt analogy, actually. Yeah, well, yeah, you leave your wife. Mm-hmm. You, you leave her behind no, and no, you go no, to the new no, wife. No, no, she, she loses all her oil. She she. Through a rod. I think you, you understand what I'm saying, though. You know, it, it would, if it was not as good as it was, it would always be disappointed. You wouldn't want the blowjobs anymore. And you'd be sad. And then you'd be looking uh-huh. for blowjobs elsewhere. Oh, no. And, and it probably would have sent me on a path with that car that wasn't positive. Yeah. You know, it would, it would, would have been a constant disappointment. Every time you drove the car, it would be a, a letdown. It, it would be a letdown. Yeah. And it would be, it would start a cancer that would have led to selling the car. I can almost mm. guarantee you that. Because it was because, just, yeah, there's also, and I think you're going to get into this, the fact of there is so much value now in that car. And oh, yeah. Regardless of it, whether this happened or not. <laughs> it's funny. I remember getting in and I shut the door and like I was with Andrew Ritter and the speaker grill fell off and I went, eh, $180,000 car. <laughs> and, then, and then he opened his door and like the, it, it has brand new um, seals on the doors. Oh. And one of them kind of like went. It just kind of started leaning out a little bit, and I just go hundred eighty thousand dollar car. And there was like other things that were just like, like my fr- my front left blinker doesn't work. Yeah, and he's like, hey, your front left blinker doesn't work. I'm like, yeah, it's hundred eighty thousand dollar car doesn't even need front blinkers. And it's like it's the car is like not perfect, but yes. And th- I also wouldn't have known. And I I gave this example to a few people, and some people understood it, some some didn't. But if you're walking through the forest, uh huh, and there's a fork in the road. And you take the left side and you come out of the trees and there's like a tank or an army there uh-huh. just standing there looking at you. Right. It's easy to say at that point, I wish I would have went the other way. Right. Because you're standing in front of a fucking tank. Right. <laughs> so you would obviously like go, you would want to have maybe gone the other way. Right. Yeah. But you, sometimes the tank, you know, is better than the one you don't. Okay. Except for an empty tank. An empty tank. Well, this one was running and it was no, I, I mean an empty oil tank. Oh, yeah. Oh, See, dude, brutal. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, you're welcome. Hey, nice. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Asshole. Yep. So that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I have... We will talk to Marco. Yeah. I have I have no regrets. That's of good. Of everything that happened, I have no regrets. You know, the, my, I guess my only regret is, is that I had to take a small, a partial loan out on the car to help okay. pay for the engine. I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like that. So I'm going to try and pay that off as soon as I can. Sure. As soon as possible. Um, before we talk, talk to Marco, uh, did you see me get that? Well, that's what I was going to say. Okay. So all this happened. Then it went to Marco. It has been a process, which we'll talk to Marco about. And then I picked up the car. You went back out. I went back out to get the car. I, I picked up the car and I, first of all, Uh I had, I was like on Instagram kind of walking into the shop. I had to just turn. I couldn't. Yeah. Like I couldn't even like, I don't know if I remember like. I, it goes like this. I walk in. I'm like, oh, there it is. And I'm like, oh, shit, my heart. And then I turn Instagram off and, like, put it in my pocket because I, I was, like, completely emotionally discombobulated. Yeah. Because the the experience of seeing the car for the first time mm-hmm. was surreal after it had been a year and a half since I saw the car. Right. Since I saw the car, since it blew up. Well, a little less than a year and a half. Yeah. And until that point... It had been like this thing in a faraway place that was right. causing me pain. Yes. Right? And it, and it was causing me 
stress and mental anguish. And by the way, also, I got fucking COVID the oh, day totally that my car broke to, down. Totally forgot and I got to finish sick. that story. I was sick for the rest of the freaking time. I went to, I was going to go to dinner with Jason Whipple. Yep. And I got to the, to the restaurant uh-huh. and got out of the car and puked on the ground. And I'd be like, okay, great. So then I get back in the car, which he let me, he let me his R32, by oh, the way. Oh, right. Yeah, because you didn't have a car. That's why I got COVID all over his car, which I'm sure he probably just let it sit in the sun for like a week after I dropped <laughs> it off. What's funny though is he, that parking spot. I, I, anyway, okay. So that's, I, Wait, I, the puke parking spot? The puking parking spot. So I puked and then I, from that point on, I was sick for the rest of the trip. Yeah. So that was, it was like, that was on my birthday. Like all these bad, <laughs> bad things. Yeah. happened and it was yeah it was bad, made though. for an awful year to be honest yeah just not a good not a good way to start uh 2022 two. that was yeah that start was of 2022 where was i oh yeah i picked up the car yep so fast forward to last it's, week of course it's just raining just oh. raining the whole time ah. the whole time i was in california it rained and i can tell you that driving in california in the rain uh-huh. is not like driving in california i'm sorry in the rain here why because the greasiness of the roads, oh. it all like comes out of the pavement. Because it's just like oil and grease just spread everywhere. Never washed it, off for months and months and months and months. It doesn't rain that frequently. doesn't so rain. It does, yeah. Very, very slippery. Interesting. So driving the car in any way, shape, or form was near impossible. Wow. You touch the gas and you're sideways. Instantly. <laughs> Instantly. So I got maybe like four or five hours of dry. Uh-huh. It was, and yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was it. So I did get to drive on my way up to Ojai to hang out with um, Matt Crook. Yep. Hung out with him a little bit. Got his Targa running. Yeah. Which he had dragged out of a, like a, a yard. Okay. And had been sitting. The last tabs were 2018. Right. Which but, doesn't mean it was running then. No, it just means somebody cared in right. 2018. Cared enough to title it. And, he's, I, and I told him, I said, hey, man, I bet you. And apparently there's like a hundred dollar bet, which that I didn't, didn't know about that I didn't know about, <laughs> but I told him, I, I said, dude, I'm going to come out there and get my car. Uh-huh. I'm going to drive up there. Yep. And that Targa is going to run before I leave. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about that. Everybody said <laughs> you don't. And granted, you had no idea what condition this thing was in. Sure. I did. Oh, okay. It'd been sitting since 2018. It was a two seven CIS. Like I had like a, okay, an so estimation you, of it. Okay. So, and of course, I I asked my buddy Aaron, I asked Mark, I'm like, what's going to be wrong with this thing when I okay, get there? So, yeah. They're like, yeah, the CIS fuel head probably is going to be stuck. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, I, I know about that. And the injectors are going to be shit. I'm like, yeah, I know about that. Is the bleed the injectors? Like, yeah, okay, I know about that. So, we, I get over there, <laughs> put gas in it, turn the key on. All the fuel lines just break. They're just like, <laughs> they just explode. They're, they're brittle and hard. Yeah. So, we have to go get, and CIS is like 60 to 80 PSI fuel pressure okay the regular like fuel injection car is like 30 to 50 oh not direct injection that's no, like 2000 thousands yeah. so we're still at a really high fuel pressure for a rubber line yeah so you have to get fuel injection hose you can't just get radiator uh, line yeah so we, we went and got some fuel line turns out the auto parts stores in this town close at like three o'clock in the afternoon good very, as you should <laughs> very slow and lazy town <laughs> everything closed like you couldn't even get a cheeseburger after 8 p.m wow um, but we got all the fuel lines, got it to stop leaking, went and bought a battery for it, okay. put the battery in, and uh, lo and behold, she starts to cough a little bit. Uh-huh. She starts to cough a little There's bit. Pretty soon, there, yeah. pretty soon, uh, I reach in, I pull up the, I did un- unfreeze the, there's a little plunger. Yeah. Do you know how CIS works? Yeah. Does everybody know, else know how CIS works? No. 
Okay. <laughs> so you have a throttle body? It's First of all, it's continuous, continuous injection, injection system. system. Yes. So usually with a fuel-injected car, you get pulses of fuel yep. when the valve opens right. and then it mixes. With CIS, it's just spraying fuel. Spraying fuel. However, you know, you got to keep in mind that when the, so I think in some of the other uh, cycles, it doesn't pull fuel through as hard. I'm not sure how it means any t kind of fuel efficiency. I don't know right. how it does it. It probably gives it spraying. less fuel than it would otherwise need if it was only going then. So well, it like builds here's up. Here, here's how. Okay. okay, here's how it does it. Okay. You have a throttle body. Uh-huh. Okay, every car's got one of those. Yep. Except for a diesel. It does not have a throttle body. We don't like body. those, though, so yeah. we don't worry. We're not going to talk about those yeah. right now. As a throttle body, you open it up. Uh-huh. And it changes the vacuum pressure. Correct. And on the other side, on the on the engine side, not on the filter side, on the engine side of the throttle body. Yeah. In between the throttle body and the intake manifolds in the engine. Uh-huh. Is the CIS fuel metering system? I no, I thought it was before the throttle body is the meter plate. You're right. Sorry. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. So okay. So, so first you have, the air you have the air, you have the metering plate, <laughs> and then you have the throttle body, and then yeah. you have the engine. You're yeah. correct. Yeah. So when you open the throttle, yeah. there is a a little bowl. Correct. Okay. And it has a, a flat piece of metal in it's it. A plate. Yeah. It's a little plate. And on the and it and it is balanced, Correct. and there's a weight yes. on the other side. Uh -huh. And at the fulcrum point, slightly uh -huh. off from the fulcrum point, where this thing levers back and forth, right. as you open the throttle, the air flows through and it pulls up on this metering plate. Right. And as it pulls up on this metering plate, the fuel pressure pushes uh, through the plunger, uh -huh. which is being actuated near the fulcrum of that. Right, and that basically the amount of air pulling down on the barn door changes the fuel changes pressure to the, the injector. Amount of fuel to the injector. Yes. yes. So that's 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 how it works. So what you have to do sometimes is bleed those because okay. there's the air gets in the lines, sure. or whatever. So you have to reach spring. in and you have to. Well, the car just keys on. You push up on this metering plate, uh -huh. and when the cars haven't run for a really long time, oh. they go. And then they they sound great. And they his kind of sounded like. <laughs> it didn't sound very good. But over the time of getting it running and I yeah. could hold the throttle open, it started to run really well. Nice. And then pretty soon it ran great. Really? This thing runs out great. I really? know for a fact it is running on the shittiest gas known to man. Okay. So, Matt, if you are listening to this, go change your fuel filter right now. Oh, right. Yeah. So, we, we put some seafoam in it. Yeah. Because um, all the fluids have been drained. So, it had an empty tank. Oh, okay. So, we put the seafoam in it with a full tank. Yep. I said, run this through. Yep. Change the fuel filter. Yes. Do it again. Yep. Change the fil filter. Yep. I said, about three times. Wow. You're going to need to do this. Because it's just got all kinds of varnish on the bottom of the tank. The tank itself. Yeah. yeah. It just needs to be cleaned out and cycled through. Or I mean, you could just take the gas tank out and have a guy do it. But... Yeah, I, I doubt that. Did you? Happen. I mean, did you do a valve adjustment? Did you change the oil? Did you? Do it didn't have any oil system? in it either, so it's got new oil. Okay. Um, all the stuff for the ignition system was there, like all the plugs, cap, rotor. I didn't do any of it. Once it ran, I'm like, it runs. And we, I pulled, I'm done. <laughs> I pulled one plug to look at it. Yeah, and it was it was great. It okay. looked fine. Okay. No, it didn't really need to be changed. These things don't like. They need to be done, and it's yeah. great because then you have a baseline of like all this stuff is great, all this stuff is new. Right. But a lot of times. A cap and a rotor is not going to go bad just sitting there. No, a spark plug is not going to go bad just sitting there. That's true. It's things you want to change because it's great to be like fresh start, fresh oil, yeah. fresh tune up, and go. That's right. always nice to do, but it's not always necessary to just have a good time, get it running. Anyway, got it running. Heck Nobody yeah. gave me $100. I don't know what was supposed to happen Wait, there. you didn't get $100? I didn't get $100. <sighs> I did, however, get a bunch of beers and, uh, and, and a couple of lunch and a dinner, which is fine with me. Very yeah. good. Yeah. All right, I guess that that's the whole story. Yeah, I mean that's that's where we're at. That leads us to now. There was a street fight. 
Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was with uh, Michael Gideon, who's got okay. a cool YouTube channel, by the way. You should check it out. He he's kind of starting one, getting it going, working on different nine eleven stuff. Anyway, so we, we're in the car, like driving. Where did we go? We went to pick something up. Oh, we borrowed a fuel line off of another engine that Matt had at his garage. Okay. So I grabbed this fuel line. We hop back in my car and we're driving. And I pull up to a light and I go, are those guys fighting? There's dudes out in the middle of the street and they're all like kind of swinging at each other. And they, they, they suck so bad at it. Yeah. That I was like, they're just play fighting. Play fighting. Like, I don't know. They're just play fighting. Yeah. They're, they're swinging. I mean, these dudes. Like it looks like a joke. They could have been standing in front of a sided house. <laughs> one feet away from it and they still wouldn't have hit the thing there's no way they okay. wouldn't they wouldn't have been able to do okay. it they, they were that bad swinging missing probably about 10 to 15 seconds of this of me going like <laughs> look at these idiots and all of a sudden one makes contact with one of the guys uh-huh he goes down uh-huh and four of these dudes hop on this guy and they start kicking him that's in the good. head in yeah, the chest that's not good. i'm like whoa 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 okay we got to put a stop to this immediately. yeah and <laughs> it didn't cross my mind at the time, uh-huh. but in hindsight, it's pretty good to know that uh, Michael is like a jujitsu black belt. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. So, so had something gone awry, terribly wrong, it would have been. Yeah. A, I have a feeling a, a lot of, a lot of these it. guys must just be like waiting to just yeah. beat someone's ass, right? <laughs> how, how could you not? If you were like a black belt in something, how could you not want to beat someone's um, ass immediately? I don't agree with that. Oh, okay. come on. Oh, it's, well, on. the only reason I disagree is because then that same analogy, if you carry a gun, are you just oh, waiting that's true. to use it? That is the truth. You know what I mean? You, you got to no, keep in mind that someone like that is supposed to know their limits. Yeah. And they can't just kill someone with their right. fist because they, their body is a deadly weapon. Sure. We learned this in concealed carry permit classes. Correct. You, you learned yes. about this. Yes. It's a great analogy. Anyway, so I, I go, I'm probably uh, 75 yards away. Okay. I, one of the times that I drove the car pretty hard, Whomped first on. gear, second gear, pulled up, stopped, I mean, flat out, and I re- I don't have a horn, so I just revved the shit out of the car right next to him, oh. and those dudes stood up so fucking fast. <laughs> it was must have been like out of a movie, this 9-11 comes pulling up, and I just, I said, that's it, you're done, it's over. Yeah. He's on the ground, it's and over. I, sw- I was swearing, I was, I'm, I can be loud. Oh, yeah. I was like, it's done. Yeah. And what I didn't know is Michael had already gotten out of the car ah. and he was back around the car, uh-huh. like behind the car. Yeah. Like, let's, you know, they stopped. They stopped. This guy's like bleeding. He's cut right here oh, on geez. his, I mean, he's got like the typical boxer cut. Like yeah. right here, it's bleeding down his yeah. face. And he's like, and he's like, oh, you're m- mother, mother, you, you F word this and, and not the, uh, the fuck F word, the other F word. He's like, oh, F word this, you're just a little F. And I'm like, dude. These dudes were just beating your ass. It's over. It's done. Get in your van and go. Oh, the other F word. Yeah. Yeah. Me that this one. other chick comes running out. Ah! I was, it, it was like, it was over. It was either over uh, her pussy or the drugs she had. <laughs> I don't know which, but it was one of those two things that this chick was holding out on somebody uh-huh. or, or giving it to someone that, not and not giving that, it yeah. to someone else. Okay. It, it, it was way, my thought. Just a very, yeah. It was a uh, it was a really intense, really intense situation. Oh yeah. Because I mean, I was not wanting to get out of the car. Right. Michael, and then Michael was already out of the car. Yeah. So when I saw him, I was like unbuckling my like, seatbelt, yeah. and then they left, and I was like, oh thank God. Yeah. Because I'm not a fighter. No, I'm just not. Honestly, I don't want to get in a fight. 
I also would have been concerned about my $180,000 car that's right here that I just got that they could start yeah, know, of bashing course. in or sure. who knows, yeah, right? Yeah, fine, but I was most concerned about the guy that could be killed. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I like I 100% you would know? have done the same yeah, thing. Yeah, it, it, it got ugly real fast, and yeah. we were we were on him like this, and that dude was still... Huh. Still pretty fucked up. All right, we've got to call Marco. <laughs> on that note. On that note, we're going to call Marco and talk about other things that are fucked up, like my motor and yeah. what he uh, what he discovered when he opened it up. I'd like to also know, hear a little bit about um, about his shop, too. And I, I think there's a lot of history That'd there. Be interesting. It was his father's shop. Oh, that's cool. And uh, I want to hear a little bit about that because I know he he's, you know, I was, over the course of this period of time, I had a lot of people in my ear a lot of, you know, like all these different perspectives and stuff going on about about shops, not his shop, just shops in general, mm-hmm. especially in California and the cost and all this, these different things. And um, I've learned that Marco is, he's, he is one of the good ones. Marco, thanks so much for coming to hang out with me, man. Uh, glad to be here, Chris. What a journey it has been, huh? What? <laughs> What a journey it has been. Now, I just got done telling the whole story, 40 minutes of the whole story, but I left some meat on the bone for you. Uh, I kind of explained what I thought happened, but I, I wanted to, of course, get your opinion on what happened as well. But before that, I want to I hear about, um, about TLG, the shop. And as an outsider who, who knows you as, uh, I know you kind of well, but I, I know that the shop was owned by your dad. And I would love to hear about how your father built the shop and how you came into to owning it, obviously, and what it was like to be around the shop as a young kid and how it influenced you growing up. Um, that's a lot. Uh, yeah. Okay, so, I mean, I feel like I've told the story a lot um, over the last, I don't know, however many years, but <clears throat> the short story is that- Give me uh, the long one. <laughs> I'm sorry. Give me the long one. We we got time. Give me the, the long, long one. one. Yeah. Okay. You don't. I'm just so, saying you uh, don't have to be. There's no sense for brevity. You just tell how you want to tell. Okay. All right. My my dad uh, was born back east. Grew up in in Queens, New York, and um, always was kind of a motorhead. You know, uh, he was technically proficient naturally. He it just it was one of those things. You know, people are naturally good at. They're naturally gifted in certain things things. You know, some people can write, some people can draw. My dad could turn a wrench. He just had this knack for it. He could fix anything, the, the guy. Um, is there also a knack for people cousin. that just break things? Is that, is that also a... Because that's Chris. Because I've knack. got that one. Yeah, yeah, I've got that one. <laughs> well, taking apart is a lot different than putting back together, Chris. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he stole his cousin's car when he was like, I don't know, 13. Uh, it was like a 50-something Chevy and... <laughs> Um, he pulled it up under a tree and he he ratchet strapped the motor out of the front and and then pushed the car back, dug a hole, dropped the straight six in the hole, uh, pushed the car forward and and dropped a uh, V8 into it. And she never knew until she went Ooh. to drive it. And suddenly she had a car that was, <laughs> was doing burnouts. <laughs> my cousin, oh, it's she's like my second cousin, so it's my, my, my dad's cousin, Fran. Uh, she tells that story and just laughs like crazy. So that's kind of who my dad was like just into modifying cars. And as he grew up, uh, you know, he needed to get a, a gainful employment somewhere. And so he went to the local gas station um, and, and the owner of the shop had a Porsche and they worked on a lot of uh, English cars, you know, Jags and Triumphs and 
what what have you, MGs. And he started by sweeping the floor. And, you know, he would sweep the floor and then he'd lean on the broom and they'd go, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm done with my job. And they're like, no, you ain't. Don't let the boss see you leaning on the broom. Here, clean these parts. And then it it was like, okay, well, I'm done with that. What next? And okay, take this apart. Okay, put this back together. And next thing you know, he was actually working in the shop as a mechanic. Um, and again, showed technical proficiency very quickly, uh, as he has told it. Uh, so, you know, there's no documentation, but this is the story I was raised with. Uh, so, um, anyway, he, he worked there for a, a while, um, and then got a job at the dealer, um, on the East coast. And he doesn't never remembered which one it was. It was somewhere out on long Island is all he could tell me. Um, but you know, he was young and dumb and, you know, just an excitable individual, um, and so he was working at the Porsche dealer out there. And one day he decided to take a road trip with his buddy, uh, Bob Martin. And so my father and Bob Martin loaded up my dad's beetle with all their tools and clothes and drove West on vacation. Um, my dad had a bunch of friends from back East who had moved out to LA and were living in the Van Nuys area. <clears throat> they had sort of just kind of congregated here. And so he was coming out to see his buddies. Um, so Van Nuys area like back then is very, that's a blue collar area, right? Back then? Van Nuys? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's the San Fernando. It's the, literally the center of the San Fernando Valley, mm -hmm. right? So there was sort of a nightlife, you know, I mean, this was 1974-ish, 75-ish. Um, and, you know, it was, it's Van Nuys has always been blue collar, but it also had like the cruising scene and, you know, it was that Van Nuys Boulevard was always car dealerships and it was just sort of a place, right? Where, you know, near Hollywood, near studio city. Um, anyway, so anyway, people congregated here in the Valley. And so my dad came out on vacation with Bob to, to see their buddies. And it was, I want to say it was February 74 or 75. Um, and, you know, he, he got to California on a Friday opened the door of the beetle, got out and it was 70 and sunny. He looked around and, and he went to his buddy's house and they're, and they're like, yeah, it's like this all the time. So he picked up the phone and called his friends back. He said, sell my shit. I'm never coming home. And, and they, sold, they sold all his possessions and mailed him the money, you know, and, and he set up shop. And my dad, uh, like I said, he arrived on a Friday and he started searching the papers and he had a job at a Porsche dealer on Monday. That's I mean, that's time. very, like, I just had, so I've been to California a bunch of times, <laughs> but this last time I could almost be like, sell my wife, sell my children, <laughs> sell everything I had. I ain't coming home. Yeah. I just, I, well, I, I'm over it. The snow, the snow where you are is like six feet deep. Yes. Yeah. I'm the snow it. where we are is a quarter inch. And that's a lot. I'm over it. So, so we're talking yeah. like, I'm, I'm curious what your dad's parents thought of all this like I what what how old was he at that yeah. point so my my dad was is the third of three um and he separated from his sister by about 12 or 13 years mm. so he was the oops baby yeah um his my, his mom died when he was 17 uh and at this point it, it, he was 24 years old when he when he did this trip so okay. his his mom had been long dead and his sister and uh, his dad was staying with his sister at the time. And his dad was was elderly. You know, I never met my grandparents on my dad's side. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think my dad's dad passed away in like 78 or something like that. 79. 
uh, right before I was born. Uh, my mom got to meet him, but he never met my my grand. She never met my grandmother on gotcha. my dad's side. Um, so anyway, he was, you know, he was a latchkey kid. He kind of raised himself as long as he wasn't, you know, bleeding face down in a gutter. And even <laughs> if he was, he was kind of on his own to like do his own thing, come and go as he pleases. Um, you know, and he had a really tight knit group of friends that he grew up with that kind of like moved out here and he came out to see him and he stayed. So, you know, he got a job, he landed on a Friday, won ads on Saturday, had a job interview on Monday and was in the shop working by Tuesday, we'll call it. And he had his own tools. He brought everything with him. Mm -hmm. So what was a Porsche dealership job like back then? Like what was, I mean, you think of the, the you walk into a dealership now and it's, oh, it's so fucking clean and it's perfect. But and there's they were little like, co- they computers were the weird, on carts wheeling around. Yeah, they were the weird import brand. Was it like an Audi slash Porsche situation? Yeah, it was Merlin Merlin Olson Porsche Audi. Okay. So my dad was actually an Audi guy. Like they stuck him on the shitty jobs, right? But he was really good at it. He was technically proficient. So he could, I mean, he could churn through those line jobs really fast. Um, and And as a result, you know, he got to do the Porsche training and he made really good friends with the shop foreman, a man named Wolf Brooker. Um, and Wolf and my dad, Wolf was an old German dude, used to work for Vasek back in the day. He was a truck driver for Vasek uh, and ended up at Merlin Olson. And Wolf had a son named Carrie and Carrie was the mop bucket kid at the dealership. Well, to this day, Carrie is still a very close family friend. Um, my dad and Wolf were very close until Wolf passed away. Um, you know, that's just, it's one of those like sort of family things. They, they became fast friends and I don't remember Wolf ever coming to the shop and working. Um, this is our third location. So at the location previous to this, there was always like this hazard tool cart with like a, it was like a, a, looked like a tub, right. And it had like the three shelves that like lifted up. Uh, that was Wolf's and he kept it at my dad's shop for years and years. Uh, so Wolf was always sort of like a background fixture. Um, and yeah, I, I have books in my cabinet that I use to this day that still have his name on the inside cover, you know, things that he gave to my dad when he retired and didn't work anymore. So, you know, it's a, it's a family business. It's, it's a historic, I mean, it's a historical business. It's been around forever since like, uh, so anyway, my dad worked at Merlin Olson, um, and then, you know, he may have had a drinking problem. <laughs> he, he may have had a falling out with management, <laughs> and he may have gone looking for another job. Uh, anyway, he ended up um, taking a job at uh, Fulmer Porsche Audi. Okay. But the problem with Fulmer uh, was it was really far away from where my parents were living at the time. So my mom sort of met my dad in that early period when he moved to California, they started dating, moved in together and, you know, they were a couple and, and, um, my dad took this job at Fulmer and one day he was out at work and I think it was like Riverside. Fulmer was in Riverside. My mom got into a car accident and, uh, she was all busted up and she was in the hospital and it took him like an hour and a half or two hours to get home to get to her from work. And he was just like, I can't live like this. Like, this is bullshit. I need to be closer to my wife, you know? Um, and so he quit, he quit. And uh, they had been recently married and they discussed kind of the next thing. And, and I don't know whose idea it was to open the shop, but they, 
my mother and my father made the decision to open TLG using the money that they were gifted by their friends and family for their wedding. So mm, mm. this company was seeded by my parents' wedding. Um, That's so cool. yeah, it's, it's like, it's a real family fucking business, man. Uh, my, my mom, uh, so my dad's name was Tony. My mom's name is Lois and the last name is Jurassic. So that's how we get uh. the T L and G. And you know, he, she was in line at the, at the office. I don't know the business office for the city or something. And, and they're like, what's the name of the place? And she's like, uh, <laughs> TLG. And like, that's how it became what it is. It was never really a plan. It was just sort of roll the dice, wing it and see what you get. Um, that's kind of how this place was for a lot of years in the beginning, but it was a new business. It was the late seventies. Porsches were plentiful in the Valley. Um, they opened a shop. The, the first shop location was in the, uh, a gas station, actually. Like, you know, you have a gas station and then you have the pumps out front. Yeah. Then you have a little like tune up shop in the back. Well, that was my dad's shop. It was a little tune up shop. Hmm. Um, and you know, I mean, there, I could tell you tons of stories about how he got his first employee, you know, and so on and so forth. Just when were you an employee? When was your first, like, well, I wasn't born. I, I wasn't, I wasn't so around. Still, I, was, I wasn't, I wasn't born until I wasn't even a thought. <laughs> I don't think yeah. I was ever a thought. Uh, <laughs> that just kind of happened. Um, yeah. So that was like in 78, they opened okay. the shop. And then uh, in 79, the property was sold. And, and they did, they couldn't afford to buy it. I mean, they're just this, you know, these kids, basically kids. And, you know, that property is still there today. Uh, and I, I used to live right down the street. My parents used to live right down the street. I mean, it's, it's very much a, a small town in that regard. But uh, from there, they moved, my dad moved the shop up to about a couple blocks from where we are right now. And unfortunately, it was on a main street. So, so the cost of real estate was really high. And he was there from 79 to like 86 or 87 when he, when he realized he didn't need, you know, main street frontage for this business, he right? Needed space is what he needed. Uh, and so he found the location that we're in today and we've been here since 1987 or 88. I, I'm a little fuzzy. I was, I was born in 80. So it, I was seven years old, eight years old. I remember the first shop. And like I said, I remember Wolf's, uh, tool trolley. I remember learning how to ride my bicycle in the parking lot. Uh, I remember a lot of things from that time period. And I also remember moving into this, this building that we're in now. Like I basically I'm 42. And so I grew up in this building, like essentially where we are now was sort of, uh, the only place I, I really knew, you know, right. growing up. When did you start working on cars with him? Well, shit. I mean, I, I would go to work with him. Uh, my parents they didn't have any money, you know, so it's just like no babysitters, but whatever the family could babysit, I would be with the family or I would be in preschool. And then there were these times when I couldn't do anything. So I went to, I went to work with my parents. Yeah. TLG daycare. I went to work with my uh, yeah. <laughs> TLG daycare. Exactly. And um, so I would, I was around the shit as, I mean, as, as early as a bassinet, you know, I have a vague memory of, you know, my dad putting a 10 millimeter socket and wrench in my hand and saying anything on this motor that this fits, put in this bucket. <laughs> and, you know, he tells the story or he used to tell the story of how he came back and the bucket was filled with stuff that those wrenches didn't fit. 
and I had found a way to disassemble more than I was given. Um, but he also then would he saw other tools on the ground. But like I was <laughs> proficient enough to go to the toolbox or go to the guy that worked with my dad and and get the tool I needed to keep working on the job. And I was probably five, six, seven years old at that time. You know, I was I was pretty young, four or five. That's really cool. You know, I didn't. I, so this, I started on. I started at the shop working on bicycles. Right. You know, as many of us and did. Taking, t- yeah, taking shit apart that wasn't important. Yeah. You know. Uh, well, to be fair, like know, if we're talking, carburetor. we're talking eighties, late eighties. You're you're six, seven, eight, nine Early. years old working on shit. Uh, Port Porsche. It's. I think it's. It's interesting to remember, or it's important to remember that Porsche wasn't this thing like it is now, where it's like. <laughs> you know, and it's like it's, it's just this thing that's like unattainable. You're not even supposed to drive them. I mean, in the in the '80s, they were just a car, right? At least from my perspective, is like the people that I talk to when I look back, they weren't this super special bauble that they've become today. Well, so it's funny you say that. I was around for the awakening. I'll call it mm-hmm. when people realized, holy shit, these cars are fucking way undervalued for the experience that they give you, for the reliability that they give you, for the utility that they give you. I was here for that. Yeah. I was of age. And I clearly remember when the prices went from $10,000 for a 73S to $100,000 for a 73S. I was there for it. I remember it clearly. What when period I of years was, young, was that specifically? Uh, when did it happen? It happened in like oh five oh six was when the awakening began. Yeah, mm-hmm. and by oh seven, when the money was cheap, everyone was was dumping money at these cars. And then when everything went to hell in oh eight, the prices rolled back, but they didn't get cheap. Yep. They stayed expensive. Well, before we get into like modern like modern TLG, I want to ask if there's any lessons that your father gave you that you still think about when you're running the shop. Anything that you learned? From, maybe you didn't like say. Well, Marco, you really got it. I'm just talking about things that you were impart that were imparted upon you by your father with the shop and Porsche and everything that you still uh, have habits to for this day. Well, I mean, there's there's ways of doing things that he taught me that I don't want to even say that I do them the same. Um, everything I do is kind of built on that foundation, right? I I took what he gave me and I made it my own. Right. So he taught me how to how to take things apart and put them together. And then I found the methods of doing so that best fit me and, and how I think and how I work. Uh, the stuff, the lessons that he taught me that I still use today are are things like integrity, honesty, uh, fair treatment of everybody, fair pricing. I mean, yeah, this shit's fucking expensive, but like. If I could, you know, in some some cases, what I can buy a part for versus what the retail price is, I mean, we're talking a thousand percent spread, right? I'm not a joke. Like, if something costs me two dollars, but it retails for two hundred, I'm not going to be the dick who charges two hundred. But there are people out there who do. Yeah. You know, I'm the guy who will charge you twenty five bucks. You know, I'm making a killing on the price. But you're saving $125. Like, right. that's what my dad taught me. My dad taught me in very simple terms that everybody's got to eat. You got to eat and I got to eat. And and the fairest price is somewhere in the middle, you know? And, and 
You just do the best you can all the time. Operate with honesty and integrity. Do what you say. Say what you mean. That's just some adult shit. Yeah, that's right? beyond running shop. That's, I take that's that's just. I'm sorry. That, that's just life. That's whatever. Right, but there's a doing. lot of people who don't operate like that. There's oh, a lot yeah. of people in this world, that, you know, and in the car business that don't operate that way. I man, I ate so much shit on cars when my dad died and I took over. When my head wasn't right and I was still working, you know, and I put a, I put a car together and it was fucked up, you know, I took it back apart and I fixed it. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. I lost my ass, but I did it. And the guy's still my client and he's still happy and he knows what happened and everybody's everybody's fine. You know, um, you can't win them all. Right. But I think I think like I, I don't I mean, I guess you were asking me for like specific no, that's good. You know, I, I wasn't. I was open ended. It was. It was. Yeah, I, I mean, that's honesty and integrity is what my father taught me. You know, be a man of your word. Be an honest businessman. Don't be a scumbag. You know, that's pretty straightforward stuff. <laughs> yeah, it truly. You yeah. think it would be just that easy, but as we as we know um, from the reputation of other shops, that it, the problem is is that there's there's a never ending uh, line of idiots that will give people their money. Mm. So you can, you can, you know, it's great to have the return customer, but at the same time, man, there's other idiots out there that'll go anywhere. It's just how it is. I, I mean, I, I have a, I have a couple very specific examples. Um, I'm not going to name names because I, I don't even want, I'm not going to call them idiots or whatever. I'm just going to say that I have had clients come to me say, I want you to do this. And I said, I won't do that. And they said, but I'm paying you. And I said, I don't want your money to do that. It's not right. And now whether it's not right for me or not right for the car, that is open-ended, you know, and every, every situation is different, but like, I, there's certain things I won't do. Like I won't do, I won't work on cars. Like I won't work on fake speedsters. They're Volkswagens. I'm not a Volkswagen shop. I won't work on V8 swaps because I don't work on Chevys or Fords. I just don't. Not to say that they're not good cars. I'm sure, they're great for somebody. I'm not your guy. Right. I won't. You know, I won't modify certain things a certain way because I don't think that it's fair to the car. And I think long term, you're gonna be happy you listen to me. I don't backdate cars. You know, because I think it's cutting up a perfectly good G body car to make it something it's not. For the amount of money you're gonna dump into this shit. Buy a fucking early car and dump the money in it. You're going to end up with something that's worth more in the end. Yeah. You know? Is that happening less like, and less now? The the backdate Is the backdating happening less and less? I feel like I hear about it no. less. No. No? No, it's it's just as popular now as it ever was. Hmm. The good, the quality candidates that, that are worth, the, the quality candidates are, are getting harder to find. You know, you used to do it with the shitty cars. Well, the shitty cars are gone. And so now you start doing with better and better and better cars. So then the, the real good cars are gone right? Know, or not available at reasonable pricing. I mean, it's, it's just, it's. You think the cars are worth what they're worth? What? Do you think the cars are worth what they are? What people are paying for them? Well, I mean, it's all relative, you know? Well, sure. Um, but it's still the meter. There's been a meteoric rise in the last couple, two, three years. Is it? Warranted? I think that every case is an independent is independent of the other. Honestly, I have seen some shit sell on bring a trailer where I was wanted to throw my computer across the room, you know, <laughs> yep. and I've seen some shit go on bring a trailer that should have sold for twice as much. You know, I, I think that every single thing needs to be taken on a case by case basis as a, on, a, on the whole. 
I think pricing is is a little nuts. Yeah. But does that mean it's wrong? No, it just means that I can't afford the shit, you know, and I got in at the right time. I, I mean, that my my 9-11 is one that's been in my family since 1991. You know, I inherited it when I sold my yellow car because I owed my parents $10,000 because they lent it to me to buy a house, you know, and I had to pay the piper. So I had to sell my car. Yeah. You know, it's just the way it goes. It was a means to an end. And I, you know, I, I, I got another one down the road, Yep. you know, um, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a tough, it's tough. Uh, tough we've, we've talked about, about it quite a bit on this podcast. I just wanted to get your thought on it. Um, okay. So do you remember what you were doing and where you were when this guy <laughs> called named Chris called you up and said, dude, my motor blew up. Like, what was that? Like? It was a Sunday morning. I had just woken up and I was hanging out with my kids. That's why I don't give people my phone number. Yeah, yeah. That's, well, I would have been sitting out there for a long time, if not. Dude, I remember I sat there, and I had your name pulled up, and I was staring at it. And I'm like, I do not I do not want to do this. And but you did the right thing. I, I don't know what to do because I'm in an unfamiliar place. And I, and I just was like, I don't know what to do. I had cried. I was done crying, so I wasn't going to be crying <laughs> on the phone. But I was like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I didn't know what was wrong. You know, it was, it was tough. And I was like, I have no idea what to do. So I just called you. And I, just, I didn't yeah. know. Well, I mean, look, uh, it was a Sunday morning. It was cold as shit outside. Sure was. Um, and it was fucking cold. I was like, yeah, I think it was like in the thirties. It was, it was about this time of year, wasn't it? I yeah. think. Well, it was Maybe January. It was like, so it was probably even January. Colder. Okay. Yeah. It was September, January, but it was like winter. Yeah, um, it was January 2nd, actually. Yeah, it was the day was before my really? birthday. That's how I know. It was the day before my birthday. Happy wow. birthday. Fuck right. you. Yeah, Happy birthday. Bite the bullet. Um, okay, so so yeah, I was I was hanging with my kids. I get this text message or phone call. I can't recall exactly, but I do remember immediately thinking, what the hell did I do wrong? Yeah. That's the first thing I thought of. Yeah, that was it, what, my thought I mean, too. When, when you were on my phone, I was like, okay, he's all right. The first, my, in order of how my brain works, it's okay – is the person okay? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Put that away. Mm-hmm. Is the car okay? No. Okay. Who was the last person to touch it? Me. Well, what did I do wrong? Why is the car broken? Right. And I just, I started going, my head just went for a ride. Uh, you know, and I honestly, I couldn't think of, of anything I could have done that would have led us to where we were. Right. Uh, you know, and I mean, you, know, you I have from, to admit, at the time, I wanted it to be your fault so bad. Yeah, no shit. It I wanted cost you nothing. I wanted it to be your fault. And uh, so, fair. so what ended up? What ended up happening? Like, what was? What did you discover? What did you discover? Like, we're, we'll skip ahead through all this silly bullshit. But what do you think actually happened once you inspected the car? And then uh, maybe talk about the discovery process of cracking it open and and seeing everything. All right. Well, I mean, the moment we put the car in the air, we knew what happened. We, we knew how it died, right? Um, the the uh, return line to the tank from the engine had separated like that. So how did that happen? Well, it was really cold out that day, you know? Um, when, when it's really cold, the oil is really thick and the pressure is up. And you know, it was it was the old, the hose that was there was older. The clamp that was there was a hose clamp. It wasn't. It had worked for however long until it didn't work anymore. And that's just yeah. kind of when it's that cold. 
rubber isn't rubber. Rubber is plastic, right? right. And it doesn't, it's, it's almost impossible to say that, you know, any one thing is a cause. It's usually a confluence of events, right? So I think ice cold outside, ice cold air temp led to really, really cold rubber hose that was old. So it was already a little hard. The clamp just couldn't bite it hard enough. And that cold oil led to a little bit of a higher oil pressure than normal and just pushed the line right off. But then it takes seconds yeah. for the motor to completely pump itself dry. Yeah. And once it's over, it's over, man. You know, I and, can't and, believe and, how that long that thing ran on the freeway with no oil. Nice. Yeah, but here's the thing. The, the the early cars didn't the up to 73 they didn't have oil lights mm, they didn't yeah. get an oil light to 74 but you know what you call an oil light right it's too late light if that oil light's on you're fucked anyway so it doesn't matter it's just how quick you shut it off you were actually quite quick you didn't saw the motor in half so i, I can it, honestly tell you it was within a second oh, when it made that noise till i was clutching car did off. you did you see the oil pressure gauge no, I, in hindsight, like I said, I looked at an Instagram video and I saw that there's no pressure. I was like, oh, California's great. Look at this. On my way to Cars and Coffee. And then the, you can just see like the needles just like whack, just dead. And it was Ooh. it was making a whirring sound in hindsight and all these different things. And you would let off the throttle and it was kind of grabby. <laughs> it's what friction will do. You know, friction is a, is a powerful force, just like gravity. And uh, yeah. Yeah. The engine was breaking. Yeah, it was physically, it was physically breaking. And uh, man, it's, it's, it's strange. I still like, it was probably five miles of freeway driving with no oil before it finally just let go. It had to have been. You know what? That's a testament. It is. That's a testament to the car. I mean, these fucking things will go. Whoever built that thing originally, (laughs) like that dude. (laughs) I wanted to ask you what else was wrong in the motor that he could discover. I would say kudos to uh, Liquid Molly with the the endurance racing GT whatever fucking oil that was in there. I mean, to even run that long is is pretty pretty incredible. Anyway, so when you. No, no, it it was Brad Penn. Was I changed the oil? What did that's I have? Brad I, Penn in there that time? Yeah. Okay. That's what I run. All yeah. The time I, too. I, I've, I've I've run different oils. So, well, hell yeah, to Brad Penn. That shit's good too. Nice and nice and green. The bomb diggy. Yeah. Lots of zinc in that. Okay. So you you take the thing apart. What did you think you were gonna mm-hmm. find? Because I think we talked about maybe it spun a bearing. But what it like? What did? Yeah. Well, I mean, I expected. I mean, I, I you know what do you expect, right? I expected shrapnel of some sort. Hmm. Um. I didn't know how bad it was going to be. Uh, I never ran it. I, ne- I never even tried. You know, once I saw that line was disconnected and you told me what happened, I didn't even try to run the car mm-hmm. because I, I, I didn't want to make anything worse than it already was, which was pretty, pretty awful. I mean, you lost everything inside the case. Everything. Yeah. Every moving part, um, right? Yeah. It, everything except the case you yeah. lost. Um, and, you know, and then, hey, look, you could have lost the case too, but you didn't, Right. Yeah. Had you kept going, had you not shut it off and shut and stuff stuff your foot to the floor, you'd have sawed the motor in half. I've seen that happen on the freeway. Guy in an SC, you know, lost number five rod bearing and just kept driving. Why is it always number you know, five? Even, it's the last one to get oil. Mm-hmm. When you say saw That's the case in half, what actually happens? The, the, the rod breaks either at the small end 
or the mm-hmm. big end, mm-hmm. and then just pieces start swinging around at three, four, five thousand RPMs and saws the case in half. Wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we had a, a pretty catastrophic failure, it looks like. And I just look at that stuff and I go, I imagine the physics behind bending a steel rod like that and just the energy yeah. and the forces that it, that it takes to destroy something so severely. I mean, I did it good. <laughs> yeah if you're gonna do it do it right go all the way uh-huh. but uh i mean i've i've never seen a main cap that just you know i've never seen a, a rod cap that bad before that was i mean you hammered that sucker flat yeah that was pretty good yeah, yeah. I, I, I did i did a good job i did a, i did a great job in the end in the end you benefited from a couple so you know look we we, we figured out what happened and not long after that i took my own motor apart and you were the beneficiary of that yeah because there were pieces in my motor that i knew were good no because i put it together and i took it apart like i knew everything about it I, you were the beneficiary i wasn't going to use them again because i'm doing something else for my own motor so you got to crank and rods that you know yeah would have been harder to come by because <laughs> yeah, they was, don't grow on trees there's, there's no question you know? about it and in, in hindsight everything that that happened i mean it's you're a stand-up guy for helping me as much as he did because you didn't have to um and i, well, and I said I, that early I mean, too. I, I don't feel like I was responsible, but I was the last person to touch it. So, you know, there's a little bit of personal shit that you put on these things. You know, I take this very personally. Yeah. But also, like, look, it's an opportunity to upgrade, right? So you got the Potter rods. You got the 964 oil pump now, you know? So why do I want those rods stuff? instead of the rod? Let's go through the motor a little bit. That's that's another question. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, so what's done anything? So why do I care about having the Potter rods versus the rods I already had? Oh, I mean, it's they're they're lighter and stronger than the stock rod, so the motor will the motor will spin faster. It'll spin up faster and it'll hang together at a higher RPM without any issue. Right, and it'll run right up to the red line that it has right now with no no problem. I mean, it it it, <laughs> it, it dude, it hits. I cannot believe. I didn't think it was going to feel different. I thought it was going to feel the same, and I was like stealing myself for this disappointment. And right now, I'm at the point now where. Um, I don't even know what it actually feels like because it's so much better and that rev limiter is in the way. It, it, is, it, in is, the way. it is incredible how much different it feels with just, you I mean, different cams, in it too. different cams, different rods. The valve train is different. There's a lot of difference in this thing, even though it's still a short stroke three, two. And in my opinion, yeah. what you've built and what you've put together, I really like the short stroke three, two. I think, I mean, they're getting right. harder to build now. I think, but I think it, that iteration of an air-cooled engine, aside from like just being stupid, is one of the best best hybrids that you can put together. Hybrid from this part here than anything that you can build for a for an air-cooled 911. Well, you know the thing is, dollar for dollar, it's the same cost almost, almost to build a three-two short stroke as it is a three-five long stroke. You know, like they're the, the the piston size, you know, is the same for both motors. And, and you come down to buying things like cranks and rods and custom pistons if you need them or whatever. I mean, everything, everything is thirty five grand. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's a fucking two liter or a three six. Wow. It's thirty five grand. Right. It's thirty five grand. You know, or, or if you want to get crazy, it's fifty five grand. You just keep piling money on top of shit. But like. It, a two liter, like I, I got, a, I got, a, I got a two liter here. 
she, and, and, and the great, the girl is wonderful. She drives the shit out of this car. She says, well, how much is it going to be? I said, it's going to be 35 grand. She doesn't even look at it. I said, I don't have to. I've done seven motors in the last year that were all within that price range, you know, give or take a few thousand bucks, but like they're all right there. And it's not anything other than the cost of parts and the cost of machining. My labor is basically the same. It's, it's 60 hours, which is light, you know, it's 60 hours. That's what I charge um, at shop rate. But so that's why you don't see these motors. You don't see three twos and three, you don't see three, two short strokes because someone can build a three, five mm-hmm. and, and everyone wants what's more and bigger and whatever. Right. I would the argue that I would argue that the, the amount of power in my car is it's perfect. Sufficient. Yeah. Sufficient. It's like, it's, it, yeah. It, it, it's not, it's not scary. It's not scary fast. I don't want scary fast. I want just right. Well, I mean, sometimes scary fast is just right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But what, what, I, what I'm driving at you here is that people, the American mentality is that more is more, right? So people have lost sight, I think. this is, And this is like a very large kind of generalization and also something you can you can spin yarns about forever. But people have lost the idea of feel right? And personality and character. So the great thing about Porsches and, and air-cooled, the air-cooled engine in general is that the personality and characteristics of a two-liter is different than a two-two, which is different than a two-four, which is different than a high-compression two-four built with two-two S pistons, which is very different than a low-compression two-seven RS compared to an andile high-compression two-seven RS. And Every single iteration has its own personality characteristics and more isn't necessarily more when you step back and you just sit in the driver's seat and experience the car as a whole unified thing, right? Because what looks good on paper and at, and when you're bench racing your buddies doesn't always translate to a better driving experience. And I think, again, that's something that, that we can discuss at length, ad nauseum, uh, I think that that's, that's missing from uh, the air-cooled Porsche culture these days, right? It's become a, it's, the, the R group it happened years ago. It became an arms race, right? Everyone wanted to build bigger, better, badder motors, four liters, four twos, whatever, right? But everyone forgot how, how wonderful an original 2.2S motor could be, you know? And the characteristics and driving experience that that can give you. I just finished one for a guy and I was like, hey, man, you know, this thing was awesome to build. And I love how it came out, but it's not going to make a ton of horsepower. He goes, it's going to make exactly the horsepower it was designed to make. Hmm. That's what I wanted because that's the car I want to drive. Yeah. Okay. You know, so anyway, I I guess I often a little bit of a tangent, but. That's what's so great about the three-two short stroke. You get the benefits of the larger displacement, which would be the ninety-eights, right? But you have that seventy-point-four stroke, so it, it really spins up quick. And then you lighten up the rotating assembly with lighter connecting rods, and it spins up even quicker. And it's just a very alive motor. The, the motor likes to just spin. I mean, and spin and spin and spin. You know, um, and it's not going to make a ton of torque. You know, it's going to make 20 foot pounds of torque less than a three, five, 
but it'll it's I mean a three five you can make them spin you know but they don't sound the same they don't feel the same they're just different. I want to ask you Marco because there are a lot of folks who are not air cooled people listening and you talk about the cost of building these motors and how you just know it's it's gonna be around that thirty five and how that is it goes machining and parts and what what is so unique about these motors that you don't hear about rebuilding an LS or anything where it's that expensive to machine or buy parts? And if you do spend that much money machining and parts, you've got 2,000 horsepower. Right. Okay, that's fair. So the difference is the amount of people who touch them. Hmm. Okay, why is that? I'm not a runner machine. I don't run a machine shop. I can't answer that question. I think it's when you look at the way that a uh, no, 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 no. That's a. I'm not. I'm not being. I'm not being dismissive. I mean, that's the, when you when you boil it down, right? Mm-hmm. There are a handful of machine shops in the northern in North America that will touch. I see what you mean. A flat fix. It's because it I'm is sorry? so unique and specialized. That's what makes. Well, it you know, I've called. I I have. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I apologize. I <laughs> I have been constantly searching for machine shops there are the known quantities right mm-hmm. and i'm not enough to name names to let everyone know who they are because you already know all of them yep. mm-hmm. and i have gone over the last two three four five years and i've knocked on doors and i've said look i've got this and i need a machine shop that i can count on to turn this around in four to twelve weeks Cause I can't wait 36 weeks for this mm-hmm. shit. You know, I can't wait 24 weeks. Time is money in my business and I need to turn and burn. Right. And, and they all go, you know, we love to do it, but we're so backed up with our V8 stuff. And then for us to tool up and do this other work doesn't make logical sense to us. We're already backlogged six months. Right. Well, wow. That's, I mean, and, and you have to think there are, machine shops all over this great country, you know, and you got five that'll touch a flat six and they can charge whatever the fuck they want to charge. That, you know, like, doesn't make set sense. the price. Well, I think you're forgetting the fact well, that the, I, sure ever seen. I know, but like <laughs> why Marco then don't I just start a machine shop because and I'm going to specialize in that. I don't know. And then no, I don't, don't know. You why, do no, no, and I don't mean to be snotty. Why don't you? No, I, like, why you don't want you? a business plan. Here's a business plan. Go out and buy a Rottler. <laughs> Get to work. Yeah. I think, I think the issue is that the learning you know? curve is very steep. The consequences for failure and not doing it right are very high. And it is a very unique you mower. You can always weld a case back together. Oh, you can't. No, <laughs> you can't. And you can you can fuck up cam towers. You can fuck up cylinder heads where that shit will never go back together well, hey, again. Now it's Porsche not like will a, sell you a brand new one. <laughs> that's true. It's not like you can walk out and get a cathedral port cylinder head. Right. You can go into junkyard now. I can go now and get a new cylinder head. Yeah. Finding new cylinder heads that don't have the valves sunken in that haven't been over, over machined. It, it's not easy. The, the, yeah. the, the part availability is not there. And the consequences, like I said, for failure are high. And all this yeah. shit, shit has to be fucking perfect or the motor won't turn over. It's just, it's Do so much different. How much a brand new set of billet cylinder heads costs for a Porsche? I have like, no idea. Like ordering them from Porsche, you mean? 
No, no. Porsche doesn't make billet cylinder heads. Okay. Potter makes them. Oh, yes. Uh, Extreme okay, cylinder yep. head makes them. But they're the ones. There's there's two companies okay. in in America that make them that I know of, you know, off the top of my head. 10000 bucks. Hmm. <laughs> Just for the fucking parts. Yeah. Then you got to buy valves. Then you got to buy seats. Then you got to buy springs. Then you got to do the job to put it all together and make it work. So how much do you have in your cylinder heads? And you, and people say, well, I mean, that's really expensive. Go out and find a set of good three, two heads. Go out and find a good set of three, six heads. They don't fucking exist. It's hard. All the ceramics have fallen out of the ports and they're throwaway. Mm. They just don't exist. I remember so buying cylinder it, heads on eBay and stuff. When I first built my motor, it needed heads. Like, and I would order them and they would show up with the valves pushed through the seats. They were cracked. They were junk. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know what happened or if people just quit caring at one point in time. So it all, everything got thrown away or what, but it's just, or it's the thermal properties of the way, how hot these engines run and they're expanding and contracting all the time, mm-hmm. what it is, but it's all of it. yeah, all of it, it's all of it, you know, the newest air cooled 911 is 1998. Yeah. That's getting, I mean, that's what 30 years old at this point, you know? Yeah. When he, my math isn't very good. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's almost 30 is my point. Yeah. You know, like we're, we're right. We're bumping up on three decades for the newest piece of shit to come out of, out of Germany. You know, like, you know, and it's just, it's just getting harder to keep them running. And it's, it's a very capitalist thing. It's just supply and demand, mm-hmm. you know? And we have this, we have this have inertia right now here. too. The air cooled inertia with the cars that are for sale. All of a sudden, because they're worth money, more people want to restore them. More people are no. going to the machine shop. Well, that, yeah. I mean, in yeah. terms of like machine, yeah, they, the market's cornered, you know, yeah. and, and I don't fault these guys for making a living. I don't fault them for charging what they charge. Hey, you want to be the boss? You got to pay the cost, right? Mm-hmm. That's how it works. So, you know, that's why, how much does it cost? That's how much it costs. I mean, it's the pistons and cylinders are five grand. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't have to look to know that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what they cost me either i've paid you know? for them three times i know now. i have them still up in my browser three times. at five that i want to yeah. yeah yeah and, and you know whose fault is that well you know materials costs have increased why why can't we get certain parts because the the metal doesn't exist yep. you know mm. and because i can tell you i did those three episodes we did those three episodes of all the cars that you could own instead of a 911 and i can tell you right now and I knew this before I even left. I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I leave it. I'm staying. I'm not selling the car. There's nothing else. Like you said earlier, the reliability, the simplicity, and the performance together, you can make power in, in all kinds of other shit. If I wanted to do power and I cared about going like doing quarter mile run, there's a lot of better ways to do it. But in terms of the way how I drive, how much I drive, and where I drive, the simplicity and reliability coupled with the power and the and the unique driving experience, I don't I don't think there's anything like it. And I think that people want to think maybe that they want to be that person that's going to drive a lot, even though they don't do it. Maybe yeah. that's why people are glomming onto it so much. I don't know, but the fact that it can do it mm-hmm. is is incredible. I, I think it's an incredible machine. I think the the engineering of it is, is incredible. And you know, it, it's, it's, it's for me, I'm married to it. Yeah. I mean, I, 
I got a lot of stuff, and the last thing to go would be my 75. So, yeah. you know, it's uh, they're special. I've driven across the country four times with them, you know, back and forth twice. And every time it was just an amazing adventure through all kinds of weather and places. And- Hear that, Jake? You don't have to ship your 911 somewhere to go. I did it. I went out to Utah and back in it and took a lot of the back roads. And now that you've got the merit badge, you don't have to do it anymore. You just Correct. ship it everywhere. It's time, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it, it is time. It's- Marco, thank you for coming on. Um, thank you for being part of this journey with me. Um, you know, I, I, I've told people I'm, I'm like really excited to rip the chapters out of this book and, and forget that this part of it happened. But honestly, <laughs> um, I, I can't say I'm glad it's happened, but I am, I, uh, I'm glad the way that it turned out, you know, it's, it, it was an expensive thing, but I, I think the motor is incredible and, uh, I'm happy that you were here to be part of that car story and my story. Well, I've known you for a long time. I remember when you bought the car. I remember when it was around before you bought the car. Yeah. You know, I've known that car a long time. Uh, it's hard to believe, you know, as at 42, I've known the car a decade almost, you know, like it's uh, more than that. I've owned it for a decade. I've owned wow, that car yeah, for I guess 10 I've years. Longer than that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's nice to be a part of the car's story, but at this point in it, I wouldn't want to have been a part of it any sooner. If you know what I mean, <laughs> I think you needed to go through that before I could go through this. Um, That's what everyone says really, about my car, Marco. Yeah, you want you never <laughs> work on that dude's car. I, it's come a long way. Uh, it's got a long way to go. He's got angle yeah. iron welded to the floors underneath to keep the car straight. Oh, it's a pinch weld. That's just the pinch weld factory pinch weld. It's going to be a fun journey. That, that one's got a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. I just um. I hope that you get a lot of good use out of that car again, you know, the way that you want it, because, you know, you told me you want to beat on it relentlessly. So I made it so that you could beat on it fucking relentlessly. And And it should look, you're a lot like me in that regard. You know, I have some mechanical sympathy, but not a whole lot because I know I can fix it. You know, and so I use it. I use it all up as much as I can. Uh, it's just, it really provides a wonderful experience. And I think that, um, I think that car is, is, is great. I mean, it gets more ass than a public toilet seat on Instagram for sure. So. <laughs> all right, you know. dude. Thanks for coming to hang out with me. Uh, I'll see you again when I come out and pick it up. Right on, man. You take care Talk of yourself. You later. All right. All right. All right, dude. That's it. There you have it. You're no. The man himself. Many thanks to Marco for coming on. I, I like the uh, I like the perspective of a two driving different than a two two than a two four than a hot two four. And then here's you know, what I want to do. This then. is what I talk about all the time: is the the pursuit of of more. Yeah, it is absolutely endless. Oh, you yeah. have to find the formula that works for what you do and yeah. what you're going to drive. Obviously, I kind of go, "Ha power is important. It's important." Yes. Right, it is. It is for but, sure, oh, but only in the context context of what you're trying to experience. Mm-hmm. That's what's most important. So, what are you building? Well, that's I don't know because I want to know. I here's what thing thing I was going to ask or like. Okay. It's like I want to drive each of those now. Mm. I want to drive a two two stock. What mine is maybe supposed to be, and then I want to drive a two four. I want to drive a two five long stroke, a two five short stroke, and I want to drive a two seven. Right. It's going to be somewhere between a 2.4 and a 2.7, I think. 
I see. Why? Is what I'm building. Why is that? Uh, because the case I have is a four or five R, which is going to be machined and webbed and everything else. And the size of the heads and the your heads spigots. are done. You I have, have heads? I have heads. They're two four heads. Do they need anything? I need to have yes. They they're clean. They're complete. They're all there. I need to have the um guides the valve guide stems. That's it. Pushed in. They don't need to be mach- like the surfaces. Surfaces look good. They may. I'm gonna. I am gonna send them out and be like, do the seats probably need to be done? The valve seats. Yeah. Regrind that. Oversize the valves a mill or two. Yeah. Maybe I'll port the heads. Yes, maybe some porting. Yeah. Itty bitty ports. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I'm what I would love to do is either what I want to do is a two five short stroke. So okay. like an ST motor, right? Oh, yeah. But instead of twin plug, it'd be single plug. But then I need a two point two a sixty-six mil counterweighted crankshaft, which I'm Googling right now. My, maybe? I'm starting to do that glaze over I thing I did know, yesterday. Because you're right. If you're not in it, you don't know and you yeah. don't care. You don't care. But well I'm glad that you're building something. That's good. I, I would, have parts I, in my basement. Uh, That's where I'm at send stuff out for machining as soon as you can because it takes i also have a 944 that i'm working on yeah well, one thing easy. at a time that's easy that's just a Volkswagen. put it back together you know, <laughs> you know, there's no long-term machining for, for that situation all right guys that is it we're done what do we got going on on friday kippenberger's coming on that's right we have a very highly caffeinated episode yeah it'll be fun we'll see you then take care